Hey, welcome to Lab, the podcast. We share time with people whose lives and work give us a glimpse of the life and beauty of the gospel. I hope these conversations inspire, encourage, and maybe even challenge you to discover the unexpected life and beauty surrounding you each day. Lab, the podcast starts right now. Hey, welcome to Lab the Podcast. So good to be back. And I've got some exciting news before we start out. Beginning in August, Lab the Podcast moves back to a weekly format. So we're going to release new episodes each week beginning in August, which I can't wait for. The second thing is we we are back live here in Tampa recording a monthly show from Buddy Brew on Kennedy beginning in August. So look for more information about that. I can't wait to get back live. We've missed being with everybody. And so we'll be coming back live episodes monthly from Buddy Brew. Today, we get to have, I'm so grateful for the conversation we get to have. And in some ways, I think it's one of those conversations we, it's a need, we need to have it, at least from my end. And several months ago, I was pretty worn out wrestling through some deeply rooted fear. And that collided with some new challenges that we were facing as a family. It was just one of those stormy moments that you come into. And in the past, when I've found myself in places like that, I often go back to the Psalms, not necessarily for answers or to try to figure anything out, but more because it's safe and you can kind of hide there and find some strength and wait out a storm. Well, during the last storm, I'd been in a book project buried uh, and I tried to find my way to read and that just felt like work. I couldn't engage in that same way. And that's where my next guest comes in. Mike Jansen is an artist and acclaimed jazz musician who's released 10 studio albums, commissioned pieces for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, and collaborated with a range of other acclaimed artists over his 25-year career, including Daniel Lenoir, whose song The Maker is still one of my favorite songs, one of the most powerful songs I've ever heard. And after suffering a severe concussion following an accident in 2016, Mike struggled through a slow and painful process of recovery. And in the midst of that storm, a two-album project giving voice to the Psalms was born. When Mike was able to return to the studio, he brought together a community of amazing vocalists and musicians uh, in a retreat space to produce uh, an incredibly beautiful project, and that's the one that allowed me to hide myself in the Psalms. Mike is a husband, a father, and just an incredibly gifted artist and musician. So I can't wait for you to meet him. Mike, thank you so much for taking time to hang out with all of us. Hey, thanks, Zach. It's a real privilege to be with you. Thanks for, for finding me. Yeah, it's crazy how God knits together people and places, and the way he did it in this case was beautiful. And your psalm project, is when I say it's beautiful, I mean it's really beautiful, and it literally gave me access, as I said, to find myself in the psalms when reading was actually difficult. I couldn't engage in that same way, so thank you for that. And I gave like the 100,000-foot look at how the project, maybe the inception moment of the project, but there's a whole story there that we're going to get to. Before we do that, take us back pre-April 2016, and before we get into your story, the concussion, recovery, and then the Psalms project, what was life like for you as an artist? Because you've got your hands in different things, collaborating, working with symphonies, writing pieces, doing jazz. Give us a sense of your life as an artist pre-2016. Yeah, well, life was pretty full, if I remember right. I 
you know, I was pretty busy with my jazz trio uh, performing and hoping to put out a new album. I had my sights on some really good radio play, like some funky, fun numbers uh, that I was starting to write. And uh, I was doing some orchestration for a friend of mine, Steve Bell. And I had an orchestra show with a great singer named Sarah Sleen that I was sort of trying to find orchestras to play for um, and doing some arranging for some other artists. So yeah, I, things were quite full and busy and like, you know, any self-employed artist, I had my fingers in a lot of different pies and, um, yeah, I, I, you know, you, you just sort of try to make ends meet month to month and hopefully at the end of the year you still have your house and everything like that. So I, I was trying to do as much as I could. And it was, I mean, it's like that for artists, unfortunately. My hope is that we can do a better job caring for artists and valuing the work you do, but that's a different podcast. Jazz seems to be kind of the center thread. If You know, in the story that I've read and the articles and the way I've tried to look into your catalog, would you say that's your, your first love or your true love musically? Yeah, I, I sure love jazz, and I sure love listening to it. It's the music I would always put on whenever, you know, I want to relax or when I want to listen to something beautiful, I usually will put on a, a jazz record. Um, although I, I must say, like, I really love any music that's good. And mm-hmm. and by that, I mean, you know, there's so many different styles of music, and if it's done right, um, like bluegrass, I just love a great bluegrass band um, or, you know, rock or pop or rap or really anything, as long as it's, you know, there's some art in there. <laughs> I'm pretty happy. But yeah, jazz is, is something, you know, I came into pretty early in life and I always had that bug inside of me right from a young age. How did you, who introduced you to it? Where did that bug get dropped in from? Well, I played violin growing up. And so in junior high, which in Canada here is grade seven or eight, my teacher thought, wait a minute, he plays violin, which has four strings, so he probably can play the double bass, mm. uh, which is a bit of a jump, but um, I started playing double bass, and from then on, you know, into high school, I was always in the jazz band, but I was a piano player at heart, and um, the problem was I wasn't a great sight reader, so, you know, all the students around me, my friends who were really great sight readers, they always got the jazz gig, the jazz band gig. And I was always sort of on the outside trying to play bass or drums or whatever I could do just to be in the band. Um, so when I was in university, um, I was studying classical composition and classical piano. And I got to this, this, I just decided I might as well audition for the jazz band. And, uh, so I auditioned on bass cause that's what I'd always played. And at the end of the audition it was about the worst words you ever could hear, which is, do you play anything else? <laughs> and, so, and so I said, well, you know, I'm a piano major. Um, I do play piano, but he said, okay, good, good. Okay, well, a two, a one, two. And he counted me in, in this B-flat blues. And uh, I had never played B-flat blues on the piano before, but I just quickly tried to find a few notes that worked and played, you know, got through the next two minutes of embarrassment. And uh, sure enough, the next day, my name was on the list for the jazz band. And that sort of started, um, you know, started the journey of playing jazz. And I did my master's here in Toronto and took a bunch of jazz courses. And then when I graduated, I just launched sort of full, full-fledged full into jazz, which was 
a fun thing to do. <laughs> well, the trio is incredible. I mean, the the quality of music that you are making and putting out, it, it's it's really amazing. And so that was the right lane, I guess, or it was a good lane for you to be in. Uh, jazz, uh, we could spend all day talking music. I got one question about jazz. It, I think some people are kind of, they shy away from it. It's unapproachable like good food or or good coffee, mm-hmm. good wine. I mean, you have to, it mm-hmm. feels like you, you feel almost like you need to understand something before you can appreciate it. And I think that prevents some mm-hmm. people from enjoying it. How do you, what do you think for people who are going, okay, uh, maybe I'll check this out. I want to find my way into jazz lane, but that's not normally where I would go. What is it about, what can jazz open us up to that maybe you can only experience through jazz? Why is it kind of a special lane? uh, And and how do you make that leap to start to appreciate it? Well, I think it's a fascinating art form, especially from a faith perspective. Um, there's something that N.T. Wright talks about, which is called faithfully improvising. Hmm. And it's this idea that, um, you know, someone is going through an attic somewhere and they discover a play that they discover the first four acts are intact, but there's nothing in the fifth act. Hmm. And so they're called upon to write the fifth act. And the question's asked, well, how do you write the fifth act if you only have the first four? And the idea is you study the first four like crazy, the structure, the nuance, the language, and then based on all that, you take a shot at Act 5 with some improvisation. Um, And I love that idea, um, which is so true in jazz. You see both structure and spontaneity at work. So you see the structure of each song. You know, it sounds like a bunch of notes, right? Someone's just blowing a whole bunch of notes, and it sometimes goes over our head and works better in the elevator than it does in your house. But, um, you know, it's actually every note that's played is actually deeply immersed in the structure or the uh, chords or the rhythm or the melody of the song, uh, of the form of the song. There's a lot of study that goes into each note or into each thing that you're hearing. And each decade of jazz um, has its own sort of nuances to it as well. So, um there's a lot of structure to it, but then once you spend all those years learning, absorbing, um, listening, lifting solos, uh, then suddenly you have the freedom to just sort of forget all of it and just start improvising. Mm. And that's probably when the magic happens. And I think it's very true of our faith too. Um, you know, we have, we have God's word, which we see the way of Jesus and the way to live. Um, and we can study it. We can absorb it. We can memorize it, can you know get it deep in our skin, and then after that, we sort of have to just say, "All right, here goes." Um, and as long as we're faithful to those structures and faithful to that way, we then can, with the Spirit's help, you know, improvise and be spontaneous and bring new things to the table. Mm-hmm. So I really love jazz for that reason, and even the jazz trio, which is piano, bass, drums, um, which mimics the Trinity in some ways, in that there's three distinct persons. Uh, and yet each, each person, though they're distinct, they, um, they mutually other, like they draw attention to the other person. And so in this trio, there's this perfect sense of listening to each other, each distinct, but yet, uh, bringing out the best in each other and flourishing, mm. which is also a beautiful way of living in life, right? Flourishing those around us, bringing out the best in them, listening to them, um, yet still being distinct. So I, I, yeah, there's a bunch in jazz that, 
um, sort of is exciting that way for me too. That's such a fantastic way to think about it and structure and spontaneity both. And the fifth act, I, you pinged in my brain, St. Augustine said, love God and do as you please. And that's just <laughs> such a radical statement. Like, but you're right. If you, if you're rooted in the word of God, there's a foundation there. There's a depth of knowing and loving God. Then you really have the freedom to go and to live from that place. And that's pre- that that is like a jazz song. Just it kind of goes and travels, and yet it stays true to who it is. That's that's pretty fantastic. All right, I love. Oh, it. that's great. Everybody's into jazz now. Tell me what uh, <laughs> what's COVID been like for you as an artist? I know Canada's been really careful. Uh, you guys are still being much more careful. This has been a tough, tough season for artists. Have you just, did you go into the submarine and write or what, what has the last year been filled with just from an artistic standpoint? Yeah, the truth is that for me going through the last, you know, four or five years of the concussion, um, in some ways it sounds weird to say, but the pandemic hasn't been much of a change. Um, I just started coming out of the concussion after year three and a half, four, and then literally three months later, the pandemic hit. So I had about a three or four month window where I was actually starting to do some performances and start to get out and meet people, um, play some music. But then it shut down, especially up in, in Canada here, it shut down pretty hard. And so, um, yeah, it, in some ways, I've just spent the year, year and a half just writing enjoying it um you know learning all the technology stuff online so i can do online concerts and post things i had a lot of catch-up to do because of my injury i didn't really stay with the technology there for a few years so <laughs> so had a lot of chance to sort of um learn some of those things as well and do a lot of practicing and writing and i've actually enjoyed that part of it i think if you ask my wife though she might have a different experience uh in that you know the the kids have been actually home for a great part of the year um and so you know she's actually had a lot less space and time to herself so Mm. hopefully over summer coming up we'll change some of that yeah that's we're looking forward to to that i know we almost felt guilty down here in quarantine during in florida because friends and family in different parts of the country just because of weather you know, staying home when you can go outside and play in the yard. Our, our kids could get outside, they could ride bikes, they could still do all of that. And uh, in places where it's cold and not Florida-esque, kids were, it was hard, 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 hard on kids and parents and moms. So I, I hear it. Let's go to uh, April 2016. I think if I'm right about the month and let's dive into the accident and, and what happened. Tell us the story of of how life changed so suddenly. Um, and I think it was April, 2016. Let's go back there. Yeah, well, I was, you know, life was humming along and, uh, I just had a meeting a few weeks earlier with a good friend of mine named Keith at the sushi restaurant downtown. I'd rollerbladed there and we met for sushi. Uh, and he looked at me at some point in the conversation and said, Hey Mike, um, you know, the Psalms are really powerful and like, I'm having this, really breakthrough with them. I'm wondering, would you ever consider writing music or an album on the songs? And I thought about it. And inside my head, I thought, I'm, there's no way I have, ch- I have time for this, but I nodded and said, Hey, that's a great idea. Um, I said, maybe sometime I'll have time for it, but I really didn't know when that would be. And so a few weeks later, 
uh, I, I'd had some stomach problems in life. And so I was having a little bit of an episode with my stomach and uh, I got up at 2 a.m. in the morning and uh, usually water would help my stomach feel better. So I went to the washroom, grabbed a glass of water, took two sips, and I just went flying straight down into the tile floor. I passed out. Um, I'd never passed out before in my life. And uh, 10 seconds later, my wife mm. was by my side and then woken me up. And she said, are you okay? And I said, ah, I think, you know, I think I'm all right. Like, I, I feel a little woozy, but... I went right back to bed, didn't think anything of it. Uh, the next morning I woke up and I went upstairs and I looked outside the window and everything was a little blurry. Mm. I thought, oh, that's weird. And then I went to my computer screen to check my email and everything was also a bit blurry. And so I phoned my friend up. I said, hey, here's what I'm experiencing. Like, what do you think it is? And she said, oh, it's, it sounds like a concussion to me. And I thought, oh, great. This is just what I need you know, a work stoppage, you know, I had a bunch of gigs coming up and that were sort of paying me. And I thought, you know, I can't afford a break breakdown right now. So the worst concussion I'd heard of was my friend Rob. And that was like five weeks. Mm. And I thought there's no way I can be out five weeks. And I was having this panic attack inside. But as the days went on um, and the weeks went on, I felt worse and worse. I was really nauseous. I couldn't walk more than a few steps though, getting dizzy. Um, everything was bothering me. I couldn't listen to music. Um, I couldn't look at light. I couldn't really spend much time talking to anybody. And um, I thought, you know, any day I should be getting better. Everyone says you get better. Like, it just happens one day, right? So one day I woke up. It was a sunny, beautiful day. And I thought, okay, maybe I can go for a walk with my family. I haven't spent much time with them. So... We went for a walk to the coffee shop and I literally got six minutes into the walk and my head just started screaming and my eyes pain was just piercing through them. And I, I barely got home. And then the next two weeks I just spent totally dizzy and out of it from trying to do that. Um, and so this was sort of my process. It, it kept going up and down for the next months. I saw a doctor and they gave me some exercises to try. They said I could start listening to music and playing piano for a couple minutes a day. Um, but it kept sort of getting better and then come crashing back down again. Um, and after, you know, after another few months of that, I ended up going back to the emergency again to get checked out. And it was a pretty devastating time for our family. I mean, my wife was pregnant um, and we couldn't celebrate. We couldn't tell anyone we were pregnant. Mm. couldn't actually go meet anybody. And so she had to sort of carry this baby through the next months um, by herself and do everything with the, with our daughter by herself. And uh, when we actually ended up going to the hospital to have our little baby, June, um, you know, I told her, like, I'm going to go upstairs and rest for the night. You just, you know, take care of the contractions and... Um, you know, let me know when it's time and then we'll go to the hospital. So, so she did. And when we got to the hospital, we had a big fight over the, the bed. You know, who was going to get the bed? Who was worse off? Who me? <laughs> and uh, obviously she won that, that one. But um, it was a really hard, you know, hard thing, joking aside for, for, for both of us and on the family. Um, and in these days, obviously I became quite desperate because, when you're stuck in a dark place or a dark room for days and hours and weeks, 
um, with no one to really talk to, um, with, you're left alone with your thoughts. You can't work. You can't fill your time. You can't watch Netflix. Um, I, I was, I turned to the Psalms and the Psalms became this lifeline for me of words and prayers and cries that gave me words that I just didn't have. And, and, and you know, when you're at your end, um, when you're at a, in a terrible spot, you don't know what to pray. Uh, you don't know what to say to God. You don't know if you should say anything or just keep quiet. And the Psalms beautifully came alongside of me and, and sort of prayed for me or gave me words. Mm. Did you have any idea? I mean, were the doctors telling you, um, like, hey, Mike, this is different than what we've seen before. We don't know. We don't have any answers. Were they giving you some sort of timelines? Or were you just kind of like left to wonder if you would ever recover? And I guess that's the, the question. Did you start to go, is, this, is there going to be a way out of this? Or is this just the new normal? Well, I did, I did have a doctor who, you know, told me, you know, usually you get better the first three months. That's the normal, right? 85%. 85% is actually the first few weeks. And then within three, four months, most people recover. Um, but there was also this stat out there that after three years, you don't recover anymore, which for me actually wasn't true in the end. Uh, the last two years, which is year four and five, have been some of my biggest recovery. Um, but yeah, it just kept stretching on. I felt at times like I was like Noah and his family, you know, floating in a boat mm. and, uh, you'd send, you'd send out the dove and just hope beyond hope that somehow the bird would come back with a little bit of green. Um, and it just felt like, you know, week after week, nothing was coming back. And I thought in uh, fall of 2016, I was better. And so I'd said yes to a, a performance. So I wore my like noise canceling headphones and my shades cause I had to do that, you know, 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got out to this gig and I tried to play it. And, um, halfway through the show, I felt my brain melting. It just felt like, I, you know, it's getting hot flashes and dizzy and I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but I was on stage just feeling like electricity in my brain and I knew I'd done something bad and I couldn't even uh, get home the next day on a plane. I had to sit sit in the hotel for a couple extra days. Um, and from that point on, the next year and a half was really, really challenging. Uh, my family went away for Christmas and I couldn't get on a plane. I had to stay back. Mm. And it was very, a lot of fear, a lot of really struggle, depression. Um, a lot of times that were really, really hard for me. I'm usually such an optimist in life and, uh, I, I had heard the, the words early on, my concussion, sing to the dark. Mm. And I didn't understand that. I was like, what do you mean sing to the dark? I, I, I don't want to hang out there. I, I'd much prefer the sunshine. <laughs> but uh, literally and figuratively, you know, the psalm has been this project where I think when you're going through really um, devastating circumstances, the psalms give you a voice, right? They They let you know that God is near, that he does care, that he does lift you up. Uh, and they also let you know who God is, right? Um, that you don't have to rouse up the energy to do something um, for God, but that he actually draws near the brokenhearted. What an incredible, I'm just thinking about your wife and your kids. Um, I don't know how old your oldest was uh, at the time, but 
just for a, a spouse to go through, and anybody who's been through extended illness or extended, you know, whether it's chemo treatments or anything that is over time, I just think it wears you thin. Uh, there's a, there's a, even just doing things alone, and that's hard on both sides. I can imagine that there were times that your body wants to help, you want to be present, and yet that you you just couldn't, you couldn't engage. That's a tough tough place. Did you, was faith a part of your life at such, I mean, was there such a solid foundation that it was natural to find yourself uh, kind of safe and, and having the Psalms give, give voice to your prayers? Was that, had you kind of built that in already or was, uh, did this kind of force you in a deeper direction in your faith? Well, I think it definitely deepened faith for sure. I mean, you're right. It was a very, very hard thing for my wife, especially to go through. Um, you know, it was very hard. When she looked over me, I always had that look in my eyes that mm. glazed over just trying to survive look. Mm. And so she couldn't for a few years, really couldn't debrief or laugh or, you know, have me listen to her. And, and that was that was really, really hard. And, and for my daughter too, um, it was really hard, right? You know, one day you have a dad, the next day you don't, uh, you can't do anything with him. He can't play with you, you know, go to parks, um, pick you up from school, you know, all these just normal things. Um, and so, you know, we were so fortunate to have people around us, a really great, uh, church that, you know, would come by and buy my wife, flowers on valentine's day and drop mm. off food and take my daughter to the park and take her out to pottery class and take her to dance and soccer and all these things and people just stepped in the gaps um which we were just so so fortunate for that i remember one time there was a lineup down the street of cars dropping off stuff uh food at our place um so that was that was helpful right in a really hard season and we're still obviously working through what went on in those years. There's always some residue down the road. When you go through trauma, uh, later on down the road, you have to sort of start figuring out, okay, what, what happened there? You know, how did we survive? Uh, what were you experiencing when I was mm. out of it? Mm. So we're still working through those things for sure. And faith-wise, you know, I think, I think um, my faith has always been, you know, central to making music and art uh, and trying to make something that would draw attention to God somehow. Um, just before this all happened, I'd put an album called Nudging Forever, which was actually all about rest hmm. and eternity. Um, and so, you know, it's always been central, but I have to admit, um, as I've gotten older, the, um, the pull to regular, you know, routine and filling my mind with always the right things, um, what has been sometimes challenging with time and I've chosen, you know, career and busyness over taking the time to actually just listen, um, to read, to, you know, so at the beginning of this injury, um, I would take, you know, just a couple of verses on my phone and my eyes were so bad that I just would glance at the phone for literally 10 seconds before getting busy. And I just try to find something in the Psalms, um, that, that resonated like even a couple of verses. Cause I knew I was on a clock for how much my brain could handle. Mm. 
And then I just sit down on the couch and I just let those words go through me. Um, because, you know, in my head, there is this sense when you can't get your bearings <laughs> and you're always, you know, a little dizzy or a little not feeling, you know, feeling nauseous, uh, having these healing words wash over me, I would just take a couple sentences like Psalm 42, mm. Uh, by day, the Lord directs his, his love at night. His song is with me. Mm. And I breathe in the words, you know, by day, the Lord directs his love. And I breathe out at night. His song is with me. And I literally do that thousands of times. Um, and, and I would just think, you know, he directs his love. Like even here, I'm sitting on this couch. I'm inside all day, but you know, he's directing his love to me. He's, he's remembering me. He's, he's, he's holding me. His love is near his, um, you know, he sends his love to me through my wife and my daughter, daughters, my friends, you know, when they come in and maybe bring me a little something to drink or eat or uh, just come, come say hi. You know, his love is directed towards me so that in the hard times, in the night, in the dark times, um, we remember it. Um, at night, his love is with me. We sort of hold on to it and we feel somehow steadied amidst these really hard storms that come our way. It's, I think when I started listening to the project, one of the things that was so powerful for me that is that it wasn't any other words. And there's so much great art out there and uh, the opportunity for us to write new songs and put new language out there. And I think there is something so powerful and so restful, like you said, it gives voice and language. We don't have to work for it. It's just, we're like immersed in an atmosphere of truth. That's what I experienced yep. is it's on in my car or I'm going for walks. It was just the, the, the presence of God's word, literally, with nothing else. That's it. Just, be, just the, the art giving this beautiful opportunity to be resting precisely in those words, like Psalm 42. That's what was so powerful to me. And it struck me to go, what, you know, how did this become a project where you said, I'm going to curate this uh, in a way that does just what it did for me? Did that happen kind of much later or in the midst of the storm? Did you start to have glimpses that like, no, this is I'm going to go back to what my friend had prompted me on and maybe re-engage that. Did that come later in the healing process or did you know that that was maybe going to happen while you were recovering? You know, I, I, I can't give myself too much credit on this one. I, I really was hanging on for dear life, you know, to a lifeboat. Um, I, was, I was just trying to hang on. I was just trying to get through the weeks and months, especially as the injury wasn't improving. Um, and so I did have in the back of my mind, wait a minute, I may as well work on the Psalms now. I'm sitting on a couch anyway. And every day, you know, my phone, even as I look back over the years, my phone almost every day had a bunch of little voice memos hmm. of music that was coming to me or songs that were coming to me. It's just, I didn't last very long. Like, you know, I could beat myself for maybe a minute or two a day. It just didn't last long. So, but all the way through the process, there were these little songs that were coming to me or little melodies um, and I had no idea how it would ever become an album. I had a really good friend who I would send stuff to because, you know, I would write these songs and then I'm stuck on a bit of an island here. And I thought, well, are they any good? 
um, you know, I'm not spending time with anybody and I'm just by myself. So I could be fooling myself. So I, I'd send him to my friend and he, you know, he would sort of give me his two cents and I couldn't finish songs cause I didn't have enough brain power for that. So I would let, write, you know, just a few, maybe a verse and a chorus and then come back to it, you know, later on. And a lot of the actually forming, you know, arranging, uh, finishing songs, deciding who's going to play on it. That actually happened later. Like as the pandemic started is when that all happened. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't really know that there would be a double album. Even, um, my mother-in-law passed away, uh, this last fall. Mm. And so we were on a plane, uh, to go, to go be with her during her last week. And, uh, it was on that plane actually that I suddenly realized, Oh, there's two albums here. I, I listen halfway through the album and get totally bored. And I, I thought, well, if I can't, if I can't get through this music, I don't think anyone else will. Mm. Um, so, so even those kinds of things, you know, how many albums and where the songs go and all that, that was, that came at a much later point. How did you decide then on the, the approach to doing it? Cause you took a, a collective of artists up to a retreat. And first of all, the place, I want to know where the place, that place is beautiful. The pictures, uh, from the room that you were in, it was like beautiful, but you literally took a group away to do the album. How did you come up with, why did you approach it like that? And, and what made you, that's, it's ambitious to kind of think of coming out and going, okay, now we're going to bring together, not, this is not just me in a studio doing this, but I'm going to do it live with all these people and we're going to go remote to do this. how did you end up there? Well, it was a bit crazy. Um, so, you know, you can imagine as I'm recovering from this concussion, you know, I'm, I'm slowly, as I'm getting better, I'm spending little time with people a bit more and playing music a bit more. And so slowly the healing is happening. And as you know, the brain has a chance to heal itself too. You start to gain more real estate and you can do more. So I, I, I've always sort of thought these songs for some reason would work well in community uh, with a gathered group of musicians. And I'm not sure why, cause they just, you know, were songs I came up with by myself here in this little studio. Um, but I always thought, well, there's something about community that needs to sing these songs. And so I booked this uh, retreat center. It's called the Abbey. Uh, it's an old farmhouse barn that's turned into this beautiful little mini concert venue. Mm. Um, so I, I thought of my wish list of musicians, most of them up here from Canada, um, who could maybe fly in and join me, people who had walked the journey with our family, sort of knew that, you know, if I had that weird look in my eye, they'd give me a few minutes to rest. So um, I, I got a whole bunch of great musicians together and friends who, you know, just love music. Uh, and so they all came, and as we sat down the first day at this retreat center to start recording, I suddenly realized, like, I, I may not be ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't ever gotten through a day of doing music all day, never mind where you're in charge of people and there's video going and you're doing multiple takes or everything and you have to direct people. And I thought, I really should have thought this through better. Mm. Um, and sure enough, at some point in the weekend, I hit the wall uh, big time where I just, I got really dizzy again and I, I couldn't do anything. And I thought, Oh no, Oh no, it's all over. Uh, Cause often in my recovery journey, there was that point you just hit this point uh, it's like coming up against a big wave and it just knocks you down. There's no getting up. Um, so it, it happened, you know, the last evening at supper, I still had three songs to go. 
And, you know, people were praying for me and finally I felt good enough to go down and do it. And so we did a couple more takes. We did a song called Remembers Me, which is just this simple song that God remembers us in our most difficult times and is near us. Mm. And after the end of the take, you know, it's another thing you don't want to hear from anyone, but someone piped up from the back, hey, uh, can, can we pray for your voice? Mm. And uh, I thought, oh, shoot, okay, it's not sounding <laughs> that good. Uh, <laughs> so they prayed for me, and uh, literally the next take was the one that we kept uh, on Remembers Me. And, and God somehow just provided. It was like manna in the desert. Somehow, somehow, you know, I get this idea in my head, let's try a retreat. And then we'd, we'd get there, and I had no idea how I was going to get through it. Um, and I'd be quite overwhelmed sometimes and somehow God would just give enough, right. To get through it. Mm. Um, and so, and so those, uh, sessions and that music that was recorded, um, is what's on YouTube right now. But actually the album is actually almost all different takes, mm. uh, from that one because that captured a real live, um, spontaneous kind of thing. And the album was a little more, you know, we worked out every part and, got things just right so that you know the music could hold up when you're listening to it on a nice stereo but um yeah it was it was quite an experience to have all those people singing and my friend reminds me that that was what the psalms was like uh, with this people of israel who they would gather together to sing these psalms right they would there was something about they went through these um devastating and difficult journeys and then they'd come together and they'd share in that, and they'd probably share tears, and they'd talk about, you know, what they were going through and how hard it had been, and they'd, they'd sing these songs together. So without knowing it again, and I won't take credit for it, but somehow I just felt this has got to be more than just me singing it. And uh, I think that's probably the reason the Psalms work so well, both by yourself but also in community. Yeah. When I was watching the videos, and there is an element that, I think has to, it is shared, you know, and that's what makes it so special. And you can see it, it comes through in the video. Was there a moment during the process where you kind of, you know, anytime you're in a creative project and you're recording or you're writing, and especially when you're with other people, you enter that other space where you are almost outside of yourself and you're like, whoa, that just happened. That was beautiful. Or somebody hits a note or somebody plays something. Was there a, did you have a moment like that or was the whole weekend kind of like that? Or can you remember a moment where you were like, wow, this is happening. And that was like, that's another dimension of beauty that was happening. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite moments in life, are when the music sort of disappears and you just, you know, something else is happening. I, I can remember my first orchestra show with a guy named Steve Bell that I orchestrated and we got on the stage and it was one of those moments where, you know, you think maybe you're thinking about the details or boy, I really orchestrated this great, but somehow it's funny when the true God moments happen, you disappear. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you're left with at the end of the night is this extreme gratitude in your heart mm. for just being a part of that night. And um, that was definitely the feeling on this, you know, the Psalms retreat. You know, there was uh, probably a whole bunch of times, I remember the very first song that we sang together, just hearing all these voices agree with the things that I was struggling with, the things that were um, 
so precious to me, so deep. And yet I could hear all these people agreeing. Mm. There's one song, um, you know, abounding in love. The Lord is forgiving and good, abounding in love and slow to anger. Uh, he hears the cries of our heart. Just hearing everybody sing that, even though it was such a personal journey, it just, it did totally make you feel like, you know, you're disappearing and something much more important and deeper is happening in this space. Mm. I can't remember who I was reading, but somebody was just saying, you know, um, the, the idea of, I need more God in my life. And the writer was saying that that's actually not the best uh, frame, but the idea is I need more of my life in God. And it's hmm. kind of a switch back to like when we lose our story in the bigger story, and we realize we're not alone. We're a part of something much, much bigger. And yes, our story yeah. is a part of that. But when that pivot yeah. takes place, that's something special. And maybe that's what it was listening in my car. You really do feel like these words are very personal, but they're ancient yeah. words. And they've been yeah. said and sung. And here you are bringing them into that moment just through the technology it's pretty special. So I want everybody to go out. If you're listening, download the Psalms project. We'll talk more about how to do it in a second, but it's pretty special because you're going to get to now you've heard a little bit of Mike's backstory and the project and where it came from, how it came together. And you're going to feel it when you listen that these are that God's going to speak as he speaks through his word all the time as you listen but I think you're going to have that experience too, that you're not listening alone. You're, these are the voices, not just ancient voices, but of people who have been walking similar roads. So if you're listening, you're, we, we, I get it. You're in a tough spot. Go find them and you're going to find that you're not alone. And these words are going to help you just remember that. Is there a, I'm wondering, is there a, a moment that people can listen to when they, they're going to get both albums and just is there one moment that you can take them to or a, one song that you can take us to as they want to think about you and your story and your recovery? Is there one that's particularly special to you that they can be listening for and go, oh, wow, I heard that guy that, that brought this together and curated this project. That was the one for him that was really, really meaningful. Is there one that you can say, man, that one, for some reason, that was special? Yeah, there's two that come to mind for that. I mean, the first one I talked briefly about, which is Remembers Me. Mm. Uh, it's it's a psalm, but yet it comes out of Psalm 105. But as some of these came into existence, they came to me in my head before the psalm actually was was read. Mm. Uh, and this was one of them. It, it just sort of came to me. Now, you know, a lot of songs, you spend quite a bit of time working them out, right? Like they come fast, the first idea, and then you slowly over the next weeks and months, you work at the lyrics, you massage the music, you try to make it sound right. But there's something about Remembers Me um, that's very um, personal to me and really lifting in that uh, the first verse says, you know, the Lord remembers me in my lowest state. And I think before this injury, I saw myself in the Psalms, but often... Maybe I saw myself as, you know, a worshiper or someone who could learn about God's justice or someone who could think of other people who were going through really hard things. But after this injury, suddenly I was just written into every page mm-hmm. and into every word. I could, I could just see myself on every page of, those, of that book. And so, you know, the idea of being remembered in my lowest state, there's so much 
in the Psalms about being downcast, being at the end of your, your means, and that God lifts us, and he comes close to the brokenhearted. Um, I think that was such a huge thing for me, and I felt that in a way I've never experienced before, the, the, the closeness of God in those moments of Jesus being my shepherd, of keeping me, um, of, of just taking care of me. I didn't have to do anything. So Remembers Me starts personal with, you know, in my lowest state, uh, and then it moves into, you know, his kindness and his care surround me through, through loss in life, because it doesn't always work out the way we want. We're not mm. promised that. Um, sometimes we have to go through a lot of suffering, and life is full of suffering in general. And then it moves into more personal with God instead of saying, he restores, it goes, you restore. Mm. And then at the end it says um, that he'll make all things right that have gone terribly wrong in this world. And we don't know what that looks like, but we're promised that that'll happen. Um, and so there's a hope at the end, too, for everyone um, and every person on this, in this world that, that he, he sees us, um, that he'll make right the wrongs of, you know, that aren't going right for us in life. So I think that's one of them. And the other one, you know, is a little different called uh, We Fall Back Amazed. Mm. comes with Psalm 97. And it was one of those days I walked to the studio which is about 10 steps in my backyard and popped down on the couch. I had a bit of a headache. I just didn't feel good that day. I thought, Oh, this is going to be a write off. Like some days I've been able to create a little bit, but today is not one of them. I fell down for sure. I, I just, you know, I was just tired, mm. tired of, um, things not going, getting better. And, um, I sat down, I just said, God, I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing today. I know you, you're okay with that. I don't know if I am, mm. um, but just fill me with what you need to fill me with to get through the day and make it somehow redeeming. And so I sat on the couch, and maybe two or three minutes later, I suddenly had this melody in my head. Um, the first words of the song, The Lord is God, and towering clouds and shroud. Deep fire glows in his eyes. His holiness burns and lights. And I don't know where that came from. It, it doesn't have the same message of remembers me. But there was something about um, sitting on this couch and suddenly being given this picture of who God is above my circumstances, that he doesn't change, that he's, he's good, his character, his, um, who he is will sort of be lifted up no matter what happens to me. And um, the song is a big, big time worship song, I guess, um, that came out of this place of, you know, having nothing. And so that's also one of my favorites. It really, when you're injured, you need gentleness, um, you need space. Um, even at the beginning of my injury, I couldn't listen to complex jazz, I couldn't listen to any rock, couldn't listen to any modern music. So I had to listen to things with space, um, you know, like Fernando Ortega or things that had space in them and and gentleness because there's a great power in gentleness right when you're trying to heal so anyway those are probably two for me that were that i think of i i don't know if i'll ever forget what you just said in the in the sense of you went in and you flopped down on the couch and you said i don't know if i can do it i don't know if this is gonna i don't know if this is gonna happen and god i know you're okay with that but then you said, I, yeah. but I don't know if I'm okay with that. And I think yep. when, you, when you said that, that one landed and I thought that, 
that is so many times my posture that God is, I know for sure, like, God, you're fine, but there's, but the storm in me is because I'm not okay with that. And then to be eclipsed, yeah. you know, to be amazed by, to be reminded of, like, and almost to have that encounter that then completely yeah. envelops your experience. And it, it just kind of, yeah. that, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful invitation. Oof. Well, uh, this is so good. I want people to get it. You put it out on vinyl too, if I'm not mistaken. Did I see that right? I did. I, I first time I've pressed a, a vinyl record in my life, um, and it was a Kickstarter campaign that I thought I better offer something of a reward for people. So that was one of the rewards. But I have extra to sell too, obviously. Um, and you know, my kids love it. Like I used to listen to records. When I was really young, um, and I love putting them on if my parents let me. And now, you know, I bought a $40 record player, <laughs> which doesn't sound that good. But my kids love it. Like, they take the record out and it gets played a lot. Um, and they love seeing the needle go down and the record spinning. And there's something in a digital age about physical, right? Mm-hmm. Like, of actually touching and seeing it spin, seeing the process, someone groove those melodies into a, you know, lacquer. Uh, it's, it's something really cool about it. So yeah, it, it is on vinyl too. I love it. I grew up, and my dad had a record player. I grew up looking at all his records and laying on the floor. And I mean, that we, we would do hours, spend hours looking through yeah. that vinyl collection. And, and I think I've wanted to re-engage it and get a record player, but we just have not had the margin to go do something like buy a record player. Like there's a lot ahead of that yeah. on the list. But I think you just pushed me to do it because that idea for the kids, like to pull it out and get it out of the sleeve, to put it on, there's something, a completely different experience than, you know, grabbing, yeah. you know, Spotify and touching it or something like that. So... All right. That if when my wife listens, she's going to hear this, and we're getting a record player. <laughs> get the record player. Get the record player. We're doing it, and we're going to order this. We're going to get the album. I'm getting the vinyl, so you'll see my order come through. How can people? <laughs> what's the best way for people to support you as an artist? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you can go to the platforms, and that's how I downloaded it just on uh, for iTunes, but. How else can we support you as an artist? What are the other things that we can do besides go download both albums on this project? Well, you know, I'd love, I would love if, if you hear the project and you listen to it and you think of someone who needs a lift or who needs these words, you know, resonating through, through their speakers uh, in their home, in their hard situation, I, I would just love, just pass it on to someone. Um, that to me is the biggest thing. You know, the digital age has changed a little bit. Um, how people think of music and, you know, with, with being on Spotify and Apple, you know, it's a great opportunity to get stuff to people pretty easily by just sending them the link. So I would love, you know, just listen to it. If it resonates with you or others, just send it off to them. I mean, I think for myself, like, um, even though I've created the music, I find it so easy to, to put this on in my home and instantly I have prayer to, to pray. I, you know, if I think of Psalm 86, you know, you hear the cries in my heart. Well, I, I right away think of my own life, but I think of others around me who have cries in their night and in their life. And, you know, as you listen to this record, you'll find it just gives you words. Mm-hmm. So um, also just when you do listen to it, yeah, like 
sort of take a few lines and just go with it and see what God brings to you. Um, but those are two things I can think of anyway. Yeah, I love it. Well, hey, those are two. Everybody listening, go find the albums, the Psalm Projects, uh, Mike Jansen. You search it on iTunes. We'll put some links out. But let's let's download it. Let's do that. That's number one. So everybody get it because uh, I promise it's going to be just a, a sweet and powerful part of your catalog and your collection, and you're going to find your way to it like I did in, in exactly the right moment. So go download it. Second, let's take Mike up on the invitation, share it, spread the word. This is one of the things I think we can do when we talk about sharing the life and beauty of the gospel. That's what that means, that here's an artist who is using his gift to give life and voice and language to this ancient, uh, beautiful word that we've been given. So just share it and don't be hesitant to do that. This landed in my lap in exactly the right moment and it's going to do that for somebody else. So download it yourself, go get it. And I'm going to add an optional three, which is to buy a record player and get the album. Uh, I think that (laughs) strong optional three for anybody who was on the fence, we just pushed you. Hey, I want to give you the last word because I think there's so much we can learn from you and from your your journey and your recovery, your kind of your walk through that dark place. For the person who's listening right now, who is in kind of that deepest part of the valley or darkest part of the storm, when you when you really are asking, I don't know if this is going to change. I don't know if I'm going to recover. I don't know what the next chapter is going to look like. What would you, what would you offer to that person who is just? I think we've all been there, where you know you want to believe. Oh yeah, you know this is it's just up around the corner. But today, right now, it just feels like this is never going to change. And what what would you offer to that person that might just give them a little bit of encouragement? Well, I think I think the big thing is that you know Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. Uh, that he draws near to you where you're at in your situation. And your situation, it may change soon, and you can only take it a day at a time. You know, I've, I learned that I, I just couldn't sort of know what was happening in my future. Uh, I just had to sort of trust that God would hold me and so, sort of somehow redeem this time that, that felt like it wasn't the way should life should go for me. But Jesus is near to you, and um, and you can experience him in a really special way um, by just letting him take care of you. Um, I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest things, um, that, you know, in your suffering, um, you're going to develop perseverance, character, all those things comes out of Romans five Mm -hmm. and that the vacuum right now that maybe you're experiencing from, you know, a whole bunch of different reasons, uh, when, when our lives go through these uh, losses and there's a vacuum created, uh, it's a great chance for God's spirit to reorder things in our life, our affections, our desires. Um, and somehow, you know, we come out of it, hopefully um, understanding what's important in life and, and sort of how to get our priorities in the right line. I, I found that for myself that, you know, this long season of forced land to force sabbatical mm. really, you know, allowed some healthy habits to, to come out um, allowed me to sort of sit with God's word a lot more, to listen a lot more, and to experience that closeness that he promises to those who are going through the hard things. Because, you know, 
some of the, sometimes the biggest discouragement is that we think we're going to get better mm. or that we have to get better in order to experience God's presence in a good way or to be of some use, but it's just not true. Mm. Um, and some of the most special moments can happen when we're in those tough places. So hang in there, have hope and know you're loved, um, that you're held and kept and you know, that God's in control, that the deepest friendships in life, um, they come out of um, walking hard roads together, right? So uh, that also happens with with our God that the deepest uh, friendship and trust with Him can can be a result of these hard journeys. Mm. That's such a beautiful, uh, just encouragement. Thank you for that. And I gotta say, I just appreciate you, uh, Mike Jansen, the Psalms Project. You're a fantastic artist, talented artist, wonderful artist, but. Uh, just a really beautiful human too. So thank you for your gift and your art. Keep it up. Um, keep writing. Keep making music. You have no idea where it lands, and I get to be a, a witness to that. That God at the right time just took <clears throat> the hard work and imagination that you have and brought it all the way down to Florida. So thank you for who you are and what you're doing. It's a beautiful project. Hey, such a privilege to be on your show, Zach. Thanks. I, I loved talking to you and. Uh, you uh, love to hang out someday. You seem like a fantastic guy, so thank you. We're going to make that happen uh, somehow or another, whether it's north or south, we will find a way to do it. <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for the conversation. We're so grateful to share this time with you. Even more than that, we're grateful that you are helping to make visible the life and beauty of the gospel, and it's happening all over the world through you. So don't grow weary. Keep it up. And until our next conversation, make sure you like, subscribe, follow the podcast, follow us on Instagram, check out VUVIVO.com, and we'll see you back here for Lab the Podcast next time.